You are listening to Scott H. Silverman's Happy Hour, a podcast released on the first three Wednesdays of the month. Family crisis, relationship crisis, addiction crisis, no two crisis situations are the same. They vary by family, individual, and relationship. They can encompass complex family dynamics, emotional distress, anger issues, and entitlements, and often involve substance abuse. This podcast addresses these issues and others surrounding the addiction epidemic currently plaguing this country and the world. There is hope and help. Are you stuck, scared, or unsure of what to do next? If a situation with a loved one, spouse, or even a child has started to spiral, possibly becoming dangerous or threatening, it's time to seek help. My name is Scott H. Silverman. I help families navigate crisis situations. I'm the person you turn to in order to get you and your loved ones unstuck. Okay, welcome back to Scott H. Silverman's Happy Hour. This is Michael Glenn Moore. I'm Scott's quiet show host. Scott, let's get us going. What's what's up with you these days, and who do we have as a guest for today's interview? Well, it's it's nice to uh, hear your voice, Michael. What do you mean the quiet side of the show? I tend to step back and let you do all the talking, which is fine with me. Well, that's just because my medication hasn't kicked in yet. One point or another, it's going to calm me down, and, and you'll, you know, you'll get to rattle on as long as you want. Anyway, this is Scott H. Silverman. Welcome to Happy Hour. We call it Happy Hour because there's that time of the day that everyone needs to have at least one, and that's when I used to spend a lot of my time at the bars. I don't do that anymore, so I like the idea of the spin on the words. And my contact information, and I put it up front because some of you may fall asleep in the middle of this podcast, but not after you start to hear from our guest. My contact info is 619-993-2738, and you can reach me at yourcrisiscoach.com, or you can text me, again, same phone number, 619-993-2738. And something interesting I've noticed the last couple of weeks, because my, my phone number is everywhere, I, I'm very public about it, because I like the phone to ring, especially with people in crisis, and what I'm finding is people are more people are texting me now than ever before which is great. I mean, if that's a way for you to start the conversation and know that I'm in San Diego, it doesn't matter where you are. You can call from anywhere. Well, today we have a, a special guest. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Michael, and you correct me, it's our first big celebrity. <laughs> yeah. I, I, went to print, I went to print his bio, and the font was so small because it was 175 pages. I mean, and this guy's only like 27 years old. It's amazing, Joe, what you have done in your career. My, 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 uh, my role as the, the co-host here is to kind of, you know, get you all flustered so we get to your questions. <laughs> so let me just, uh, um, before I get Joe to say hello, but you can say hello, Joe. I'm going to read a couple things about you. Hello. Hello, Hello, Joe. Joe is Thanks it, is for it, making me laugh. Well, good, yeah. And I noticed you're drinking coffee because you must have a good microphone because I heard you really well. Or my headphones are finally working today and my microphone. Good. And Michael's been working with me for months to get those two pieces of equipment working together so it makes it easier to do the recording. So is it, is it fine Farah or Finn Farah? Well, you could right. say you can say either. I mean, fine is good, but it's been fair. The second, the second. Been fair. Okay. Well, let's do it the right way, because at my age, I'm not going to remember anyway. By the time I get done with the second paragraph here, so. Right. Well, anyway, he was born on September 20th, 1968, in Baltimore. He clearly wants you to know how old he is. Okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, you could just start to do the math. And you can start googling him right now if you want to. Maryland graduated from the University of Baltimore in 1991. 
His career started in the fitness industry, which is why he still looks so good, where he competed in bodybuilding. After winning the AAU, Mr. Maryland, novice short division, in 1993, he began a career in fitness modeling by posing for the cover of the landmark calendar Image Is in 1993. Joe went on to appear in numerous fitness magazines and posters including Men's Workout, Men's Exercise. He also appeared in, a, in the fitness book, The Complete Book of Abs, which sold in Barnes & Noble all across America for over 20 years. So this man clearly knows what not to eat. So I was sharing my story of what That's I made for breakfast so I could see why he was frowning. He continued fitness modeling until 2006, appearing in The Man and The Machine Calendar. Joe's first television appearance was 92 on the MTV show called You Wrote, You, Wrote, you Watch It. You wrote it, you watch it. You wrote it, you watch it. Hosted by John Stewart. He's had numerous walk-on roles in soaps, One Life to Live, Guiding Light, Days of Our Lives, and General Hospital. He has worked on numerous commercials for brands such as Bank of America, Nike, Heineken Beer, and Powerball. And in 2000, Joe guest starred in three episodes of NBC sitcom Jesse, starring Christina Applegate. In 2019, he was cast as Mr. Desmond on the Lifetime movie series Crazy Love, Social Media Meltdown. In 2020, he was cast as Detective Jarvis in the Critics' Choice-nominated show, Betrayed. Joe's film roles included Dr. Miller in The Opioid Diaries, 2018, only and right now easily available on Amazon Prime. And that's actually kind of how I found Joe is about The Opioid Diaries, because as all of you know, I am a subject matter expert when it comes to the opioid crisis. And I want to talk to everybody I can before the crisis gets to everyone and I can't. So with that, I want to turn it over to Joe. And Joe, again, hello to you and welcome to the happy hour. So tell us a little about you and then I've got a couple questions I want to ask you and then we'll roll right into it. Well, hello, Scott. Nice seeing you. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yep. Um, well, you know, I, you said you know, where I'm from. I'm from Baltimore and, and um, I think the, uh, uh, my, I guess to say about me would be just this normal guy like anybody else. Um, but I think, you know, I, I, I've learned throughout life that uh, we have choices and we have two roads we can take. Um, we can go on the left or we can go on the right. And, um, and we have the ability to choose and we can and change our direction anytime we want. But, uh, you know, um, I'm a graduate of University of Baltimore. Once when I graduated from uh, college, I left my, uh, uh, my home where I grew up and I moved to the great New York City. And um, I lived in New York City for about uh, nine years. And in New York, it was a, it was a great experience uh, living in New York, I, I must say. Um, I learned a lot, uh, of course, what I did in New York, but, but culturally, uh, New York is such a, a, a wonderful place to, to learn and understand about different cultures, and, and which is uh, understanding people. Because all, all of us walk around on the planet and we all come from different backgrounds. But New York City is so interesting because different nationalities and groups have their own little place throughout New York. And, you know, you have Chinatown, Little Italy, uh, you have, uh, there's just different places. And it's just, it's great where everybody really, you could just learn about their culture. And uh, uh, that's where I really gained a good understanding of different cultures. And, uh, I really appreciate that. I, I can say I, I grew up with a, uh, I had wonderful parents growing up. Um, my, my families were Christian, Christian families. Uh, um, we only grew up in love. I, I, I can honestly say growing up with my father, I always thought, man, this is the nicest, best man I, I've, I've ever known in my life. 
And I really thought that about him. I thought, wow, I'm, I'm lucky. I saw some other you know, parents and I thought, wow, I, I'm fortunate. I, I knew very early on I was very fortunate uh, to have the upbringing that I did have with my father and my mother. Um, they're very good people. And uh, um, so, you know, um, so they gave me a lot of foundation to use in my life. And so I, I lived in New York City for about nine years. Um, it was a great experience. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd want to live there again. Um, I, I, once I, I left New York, I actually never went back. I moved right to, to California and I'm here in Southern California. And I, I, I must say, I, I really love it here. Um, it gets hot, but it's sunny every day. Um, we have our rainy times, but, uh, um, this is definitely the place I feel like uh, most home. And, um, I've been here for, I guess it's going on 19 years now in uh, Los Angeles. And I absolutely love it here. Um, I was fortunate enough to buy, buy a house here in California, thank God. And, um, and you know how it is, the real estate out here is, is so expensive. So you, you have to feel fortunate when you're able to do so. But, uh, um, but, uh, but that's kind of where I am now. Um, you know, with, I guess to, for me, like the story I like to tell now is, is uh, um, in my age, I, I, uh, I had children um, when I was in my uh, 30s. And uh, at that time, I was working on stability. And the story I like to tell now, and what I really want to push to people out there is, is I took an um, about face when I was uh, 49, just about 50. And I decided to um, continue pushing what I started when I was younger. And it's kind of the story I've been, I've been um, pushing around lately. And that is, you know, I think a lot of people in, in, this, in our country have started something we don't always finish. And, and I, the message I always want to say now is, is if you have something that you started, you know, don't, uh, Wayne Dyer used to say, don't die with that light still shining in you. And so I want to now, you know, spread the word that, uh, you know, to others, what Wayne Dyer said uh, years ago, and whatever passion you have in you, don't let it uh, die inside you. And, and, um, you know, and, and, you know, I, I know Scott, you, you, uh, you're in a crusade to help people with addictions. And, you know, my, my story is, is kind of similar. Cause if you take, I, I know I have an addictive personality and what I've managed to do is take, uh, uh, you know, an addiction and, and turn it to a positive. So throughout my life, I became addicted to working out versus something um, that would be, you know, that wasn't. By the way, let me, let me interrupt yeah. you. I, I yeah. suffer while you sip your coffee, I suffer from compulsive obsessive addiction personality. And, it, you know, and I got to tell you something, what you just said triggered something. I have never, ever been addicted to exercise. So we'll have to, we, I swear to God, it is amazing. I mean, I, you know, I can see uh, a wooden Q-tip on sale and, I, and I'll buy enough for two years. But when it comes to, so you said, hey, let's go for a walk. You know, you know, even if Michael were to fly out here, I'm not sure I'd be able to do it. So I want to talk to you about, you know, because that, that obsession is probably one of the healthiest. And, you know, I would love to, I don't know how, you know, probably it's just get up in the morning and do it, put your shoes on. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's just funny when no, I No, no, please, that. I'm glad Be, you Being addicted to, uh, to uh, exercise is something that, you know, I, I think 
God, I would, I can't even imagine what that would be like. You know, people get, you know, Oh, well, how many steps did you take? I said, what do you mean? You know, it's your phone records it. I said, well, why would I look at that? It'll just tell me what I'm not doing. So, but I, uh, I'm in, I've been in denial about that for a long time. And I think it's, I'm at a point in my life now that, uh, you know, you live longer, you feel better, you sleep better, everything goes better. But you know, I try to avoid that because I'm an addict and I want to be miserable whenever I possibly can. All right. Back to you, Joe. Well, I, I, I like what you said. I, we, I think we have some similar traits because I, I myself, I know I'm, I'm, I am excessive compulsive and I'm aware of those things. And I know at any moment, you know, I could take the, the good and turn it into something bad. I, I know that. And, and uh, I was addicted to cigarettes um, when I was, uh, I think, in my, before, before my son, or when my son was born. So I, I understand addiction and I did use my excessive compulsive nature. Uh, when I smoked, actually, um, I, I just you know, like for example, if you gave me a pack of gum, I'm so obsessive. Uh, you gave me a pack of gum, I would literally chew all the pieces right away. Right. And so I, I do have this excessive compulsive. Um, and you know what's nature. interesting that science says about that part of the brain is you you really can't control that. You you can manage it you know, with the right tools and training. But at the end of the day, the way the brain is wired for some of us, you know, we just go at it that way. And, you know, I know when I go to meetings, I introduce myself as a recovering addict or alcoholic. I think about it, you know, I'm kind of reinforcing some negative behavior, but it's also a reminder that I have that and I can manage it. It's like diabetes. I mean, if you had diabetes, you'd be managing that, checking your blood sugar levels and you'd be focusing on, you know, insulin and watching your diet and your health. But we, for some reason with the stigma, we just don't do it easily. So tell, tell us about, you know, your, your path with cigarettes and, and how that impacted your life and what you did about it. Oh yeah. So, so, uh, I, I was years ago when I was, I was dating somebody in New York and she, she uh, was a chain smoker and I was getting the secondhand smoke. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when we split up, not only did I have my heart broken, but uh, I, I did cough, have your cough, went, your cough went away. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, um, maybe, but uh, uh, um, I, I started wanting, desiring cigarettes and because I wasn't around that secondhand smoke anymore. And of course my heart was broken. And I thought, well, let me, let me just go grab this. And it, and it made me feel better, but you know, it kind of, it took it. I was able to put my emotions on this cigarette. So is that when you started smoking? After It you, is. After I, split up, I was like 26 years old. It's really, it's, it's interesting. It's horrible and interesting, but I, uh, it was a challenging thing, but you know, so many things I gained from it was empathy understanding um and not sympathy um you know and it was and empathy understanding and understanding you know and, and this is an addiction but I, I can't say it's an addiction like you know um with a different drug Al- nicotine is a drug but like alcohol or anything else but, like that but it did give me um empathy and and that's important because you don't want to feel sorry for anybody and you don't want to say to people who have an addiction, just get over it. Come on, you can do it. Because um, I think people who've never had a problem can say that. And when you, if you've experienced something, um, you know, an addiction, and you're trying to break it, you then can can empathize with other people that are going through something like that, and and it makes you more understanding. And and uh, so that that's where I gained from it. But we uh, we split up. I started smoking cigarettes, and wow unbelievable you, you can become addicted to nicotine really fast and and i did and i was smoking started smoking a pack a day 
and and I I am excessive compulsive. I know that once I start something, it just became this thing where my my whole personality became attached to this cigarette. And uh, you know, I wake up in the morning, and um, first thing I wanted was a cigarette. It, it it literally woke me up. Which I don't want to promote cigarettes, but I'm telling you, it woke me up. So it was like the greatest thing. Woke up in the morning and had my cigarette, and I'm wide awake. You know, and wow, how cool is that? Then you go out throughout your day, you start your day going, you're like, oh, it's a good day. Smoke a cigarette again. Day happens and you get irritated by something. I don't go get a cigarette because I'm angry. Then you go grab your cigarette because you're angry. You know, um, you accomplish something great that day. In a day, you smoke a cigarette. So, uh, um, you know, it, it, it also became, that's right, whoever that is, he just said, shh. Um, well, that's my wife's walking in. She's on the phone, and you know, I, I mean, I, if you look behind me, I'm in a little shed out here. I've been out here good in, for you. In, in, good for me in quarantine. The only thing I don't have is a bathroom, so I have to go inside periodically. So I'm working on maybe modifying something in the house because when we first started this podcast, Michael said there's a lot of echoing going on, so we made some modifications to the little shed. So I'm in my little tiny house here with no bathroom, no refrigerator, no air conditioning. So, oh, I'm sorry. no go air. Ahead. That's okay, no. but uh, I, I, uh. I have air. I'm sorry you don't have air. That's of course you have air. No, no we're, we're, you know, we, uh, this is Southern I can California. Fan you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, do that and give me some of that coffee. So that would be great as well. So, <laughs> oh, where, where were we? Okay, you were a pack so, a day. And you yeah, know, it's fascinating. That yeah. second, when you talk about that secondhand smoke that yeah. probably was already in your body. And then what happens yeah. is, you know, I believe that one of the issues with this a disease of addiction is the inability to feel feelings. So you had this break and you had this emotional volcano or eruption or, you know, coping with it. If you didn't have the skills for it, didn't know how to do it, it impacted you. And there you, it's interesting how, you know, subconsciously you pick this thing up. We had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, talks about secondhand drinking, which is what happens to the family with the person who's actually drinking, secondhand right. drinking. Because when there's, you know, so there's a situation where you have, you know, you were at secondhand smoke and then something triggered it and then boom, all of a sudden you're in that. And, you know, if you weren't aware of it or if you didn't know how to get help and you continued on with it, you know, but, you know, smoking right now in public has gone away, restaurants has gone away. So you almost have to live by yourself and be alone you know, otherwise, you know, California, we joke that there's snipers up in rooftops waiting for people to light a cigarette. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, I, I uh, you know, for me, um, so I, I ended up smoking for, for several years. And, and when my son was born, um, I knew I had to quit. And, and uh, I tried other things to quit. Like um, you go down and you just, and I, I stopped buying, what I was doing to quit, many methods. One was not stop buying a pack. And then just go to random people and and buy one cigarette. I would give people, I'll give you a dollar for a cigarette, please. And I, you know, you, I know what it's like to beg because I beg for cigarettes because I, yeah. I didn't want to have a whole pack. Anything to cut back. Do you know what and, a pack of cigarette costs today in California? I mean, it, it's in it, California. I, I I don't know, but I'm a, I knew it was yes. pretty expensive back then. Let me say six fifty. Yeah, or more. I mean, Six fifty is probably for a generic brand. I mean, you think about it. Yeah. You know, I can remember we, we'd go to Tijuana and we'd buy cigarettes for like you know I don't know a yeah. buck a pack or something. And now it's right. probably close to fifty dollars for a carton or more. American Spirit Menthol. That was my. Uh, I love that. Oh, so. I smoked Mar uh, Marlboro Menthol when it first came out. That's ah, how far back I go. Wow. All right, I'm okay. starting to stop. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so uh, so um, God, where the heck was I? So. Uh, uh, you know, smoking a, a pack a day and my son was born. I'm like, I, I knew that uh, I had to quit because 
Um, you know, I, I, and the way I, I was smoking, I knew I would, wasn't going to live to be a, a grandfather. And, and I, I wanted to, you know, one of the things um, to me, the most important thing is being a parent. And I, I, uh, I do have this, you know, you know, I love them you know, before you love your children before they're even born. So, uh, yep, true, um, true. so, so I, I, I wanted to quit and because I wanted to be around and I knew I had to do that now again. Oh, I know what I was saying when I, when I, um, when I stopped was I did things to quit many things. One was bum, bumming a, a cigarette off of people and just buying one at a time, things like that. It never really worked. I tried smoking, let's say a cigar that didn't work. I'm inhaling this huge cigar. That's even worse. And I tried to do, you know, the regular pipes that didn't work. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so I did, I did everything. Later. And, and um, so I, I knew I had to get, I, I had to do get into ready for battle. I think, you know, um, and I know you're going to agree with this is, uh, the biggest battle that we have in, um, in life really is, is against ourselves. And I knew I had to go into battle with myself to, to work on getting over this addiction of cigarette smoking. And, and they say that it is a very, very powerful addiction. And I agree, it really was. Um, but um, I figured I'm going to go into battle and I visualize myself as a, a knight. And I had to put on my, on my armor to go in battle with myself to quit this. And, and I was... I was definitely bound and determined to quit, but believe me, it wasn't as simple as saying I'm not going to do it. So I, I gathered information. Um, I, I did a couple things, like I tried the patch, and the patch there was really no control. Um, I never knew when the, you know I was going to get the nicotine fix coming into my bloodstream, so it didn't really didn't help me much. So you're actually thinking about it more, having the patch there because the patch was making you think about it more. Absolutely, it drove me Interesting. nuts. It drove me nuts. So so then. Um, um, I don't know how I came about it, but there is something called Zyban, which is really Wellbutrin. And, Wellbut and what that does is, is relaxes you. So if you're ever addicted to anything, you need to be relaxed because you're going to be, you're, height, you're, you know, you're not going to have that nicotine to settle you down anymore. So um, I decided I was going to go on um, um, Wellbutrin or Zyban. And then um, I got the, the gum and there was the nicotine gum was great. I would cut it into like quarters and I could control. Did you snort it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I it you, quarters. you caught it in the quarters because I figured I didn't want to get, you know, I didn't want to, I said cut them in half. You didn't and, want all the, you didn't want all the craving completely reduced. I, so I'll save money or whatever, you know, who knows? And, okay. uh, or, or the craving, you know, whatever, make it last longer. You know, I'm always thinking of things to do. So I wanted to make it last longer. So I did the gump, but then this is one of the coolest things. So I just accidentally happened to be thumbing through the channel, channel, TV channel, and um, um, Joyce Myers was on, was on, and she starts talking about addictions or things that are going wrong. And she said, uh, whenever you're addicted to anything or some things are going wrong, um, you should, uh, 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 this too shall pass. So she came with this, she said this mantra, um, this too shall pass. And um, so when I learned that by accidentally flipping through the channels and seeing Joyce Myers, she started talking about this too shall pass. And I figured, wow, that's, that's a great mantra. And for me, I remember because I started smoking late in life, I had to really analyze myself and think, you know, when, when I was younger, because remember I started smoking late, um, when I was younger, I, uh, I never had an urge for a cigarette. 
I'd walk around all day long, no urge whatsoever. So I knew there could be a way I can get back to that person who never had that desire for that, for that cigarette, for that drug. And, and so using the, this two shall pass, when I got the overwhelming urge, I would use that mantra to help me get my mind settled out of that. So the idea was, I will not always feel this way. I think the biggest thing, the scariest thing for me with being addicted to cigarettes was when I stopped taking them, am I ever not going to have this urge again? Am I always going to have this desire to, to smoke? And, and what's scary as hell, I think, for anybody that's addicted to anything is, is if you're going to feel this way forever, and that's not to scare the hell out of you because if you think you're trying to quit something and you think, what a way to start back up again because you think there's no way I'm ever going to feel better again. So I might as well just give up. And the answer is you will feel better. It, you will not always desire what you're craving. Yeah, it gets, it gets better over time, right? It gets better over time. But, you know, you, you got to – I had to just – I had to believe that that was possible because really there's no guarantee that that's – your mind, you know, there's no guarantee that you will ever not have this craving anymore, but the answer is you will not have it. And so that is the thing that scares anybody addicted to anything. Is that you remember, Do craving. you remember when you had your last cigarette? Yeah, before it was the um, day before my uncle came out to see me and it was over uh, uh, 18 years ago. Wow. 18 years before my, Good you know, you. I, yeah. And, and so, so I, so I, what I did was to, to quit for me, I'm in my suit of armor and that was the, the gum, the pill, uh, a Wellbutrin and my mantra, this too shall pass. So whenever I had strong urges, I could do that. And I told myself, I, I only wanted to go on um, uh, Wellbutrin for about a month and I gave myself a month, but the nicotine gum, I, 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 I said, I wanted to give myself as long as it took. So I said, you know what, if it takes five years, 10 years of nicotine gum, I'm going to allow myself that because it sure is a hell of a lot better than, than smoking a cigarette. So I allowed myself to, to do the gum as long as it took. And I didn't put a time limit on that. I'd give myself that. And, and, uh, and then of course my mantra is forever because I use it a lot that whatever, anything that's going wrong in anybody's life and anybody listening, if you're ever going through anything bad or, or it's not the best day in the world, um, I promise you, this too shall pass. It will not always be like you think it is, like it is right now. Things will get better. It, the next day, tomorrow will be better. And, and so that is the, the hope everybody needs to have is that whatever, anything bad in your life that's going on, it will pass. It will not be that way forever. And you, um, need, to, and you need to find the tools that work for you. And my guess would be it took you a little while to figure that out out and for some people you know taking medication is a great tool talking to a therapist is a great tool you know yeah. increasing more positive things in your life from yoga breathing meditation you know taking naps whatever swimming around in the ocean whatever works but the important thing is and i think you said it is that it will pass it is treatable and there is hope and help and that's you know part of my message on a regular basis so look i've got a couple questions for you we're, we're really running a little okay. short on time okay because I see you got excited. But it, wor it worked. It actually worked. And, and so to finish the story is it worked. And, and I, I haven't smoked in over since my, I, it's my son's 18 now. So it's been, um, uh, it's been over 19, 18, 19 years since I've smoked a cigarette. And once I, that was it. And it worked. Good. Well, now and I don't that do the gum anymore either. No gum. I still do the mantra. And no gum, no, no Zyban. I'm good. 
So you, you figured out what works for you. So look, my first question is, you're going to love this. <laughs> what are you most proud of? I, well, I'm most proud of being a father. Okay. I'm most proud of being a, a present father. Good I for think you. anybody can um, be a father, but it's, uh, I think my, my thing that for, for all men out there, um, all fathers out there, we can all be fathers, but, but be a, be, do your best to be a present father. And that's what I'm most proud of. I, I, uh, um, you know, we have to make each other look good. And so when there's ever a, a parent that's not doing their part as a parent, you make us all look bad. So um, you owe that. That's your obligation to your children. And so um, I'm most proud of being a present father. Great. What do you gr regret the most in your life? Um, I, I think what, what I always regret is, is um, forgiving, not being able to forgive fast, learning to forgive faster. I regret you know, uh, not forgiving people as fast as I could because um, I think uh, being stubborn. So I forget uh, not having, being able to forgive quicker is what I regret. Great. Look, I have a question here that I want to ask you, you know, but I want to ask you to, I'm going to save it for the, I'm going to ask the question, but I want you to save the answer for the end uh, is what is your favorite quote? Cause one of the things we like to do is give our guests an opportunity to give us a quote or an affirmation at the end. So I'm going to ask you to hold on to that. Cause I'm assuming I'm hopeful that the, your quote is going to be something that will be a great close for us on the show, if that's okay. Sure. So the ne next question is, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? The answer is no, it doesn't. And I, this is a, a uh, question that, um, I, I love this question. <laughs> so the reason I love it is it's like, you know, we, my point with, with this, when I hear this is, you know, if you have something that you're working on that you did and you never let the world see it, then it, it never happened. If you're, you know, if you wanted to write a book and it's just an idea and you don't sit and write it, then it never happened. If you're going to do this for your children and you never do it, then it never happened. So my point is, is not until people see something not until people feel something did it really happen. So the answer is if a tree falls in a forest and no one's there to see it and no one's there to hear it, it never happened because not until someone sees it, not until you make it real, is it real? So another analogy might be if you have something inside of you, don't hesitate to bring it out. You know, test it quietly, maybe in a, in a, in a special way with someone you trust and care about. Right. But don't let it sit there. I mean, it kind of falls don't along that there. line, you know, about, you know, success and failure. And I might have been Wayne Dreyer to said something like this, but I'm sure he believed in it. You know, fail frequently so you can succeed sooner, which means if you don't try things and you don't make mistakes, you know, you're not going to be able to find a way to figure out what works because you just will do nothing. And, you know, with my book, Tell Me No, I Dare You, I found that 70% of the people that I talked to and interviewed about the word no, when they hear it, they stop. They absolutely, they just say, okay, I can't, you know, you're not tall enough, not smart enough. You know, you shouldn't this, you can't run for it. Whatever it is, seven out of 10 people. And I talked to thousands. It was amazing. And it's just part of the culture. So there, the next, yeah, go ahead. Good. Well, there's something called dare. I actually have this thing. It's called dare. It's far better to dare money things and to try and, and fail than to never try at all. There you go. Well, I, and I love that word dare, you know, tell me no, I dare you. It's in the title of my book. And besides, by the way, email me if you want a copy of it, because you know, I know you don't have any free time based on your resume, but uh, you might get some time. You might get some time. So and as you get older, you'll find yourself sleeping less. Trust me. 
What advice would you give the younger generation as we wrap things up? Yeah, my, my advice to you, um, to the younger not generation. Not me. No, I'm not the younger generation, brother. You got to you to, to people, to people. The young people. Yeah. The young people. To so you young people. Yeah, like Michael. Um, to, uh, to Michael. Yeah. Yes. Um, is to is to you know never sat, always work hard for whatever you want and and not um, read the instructions and and uh, do nothing ever takes the place of of hard work and dedication and um, so my advice to to the young to the youth is to to always do your best and work your hardest and things will eventually come. Right. So I, I have one more question I want to add on to this. Yes. What do you hope, actually two questions here, but I'm going to combine two. What do you hope the listeners here will do with what you've shared today? And then I want to tie this to another piece. If you had a magic wand, what would you want to make sure that people take away from our, our time together today? You know, they'll be hearing it in a couple of weeks, but, yeah, you know, yeah. they can listen to it over and over again. But what would the nugget be? That, you know, if you had a magic wand and what would you want listeners yeah, I, to do? I, I, I truly it bothers me when anybody actually feels pain. I actually, I can't stand for people to suffer period. So I want people to, uh, to learn that, um, that you have a choice in life and you can sit back and, and, and never do something and talk about it. <clears throat> you can, um, you can um, sit back and be angry at people, never forgive them. So I think ultimately what is the ultimate thing is, is we have a choice and there's, there's two sides of the road, optimistic, pessimistic and and we have a choice and and i say what i want to go to everybody is say you do have a choice and you can go left or right you can either be pessimistic about everything or you can be optimistic by everything and you can change your mind too so i say always choose optimism so where so, i want the word to be joe let me ask you a, a personal question it's okay. kind of going off the notes here. Do you think of yourself as an inspirational, motivational speaker? Um, I, I want to be. I think if you've done things that uh, I do, I, I have, um, and I do. Um, okay. I, think, I, think, uh, um, I think if you've gone through things and you have the ability to help people, you should. Mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've gone through, you know, I've been through a, 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 a divorce, and when I hear of other people going through it, I, I know what they're going through, and I just I know when there's pains that I've experienced, and when I and if I see somebody else going through the same pain I went through, um, I, I just uh, I want to help them because I don't want anybody to experience hard pain like I felt. So, um, and there's and I know I the, the 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 tricks or the tools to help people not feel pain. So so yeah. Good, it, because I don't I don't get a sense that's something that's on your resume. But listening to you today, and you know, and I, I've I've got to tell our listeners um, how you and I first had our conversation. It was so funny. <laughs> we we were both we uh, Michael. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but we were both introduced uh, by the same person, I believe, <clears throat> and each one of us thought the other person was going to be interviewing each other. So. We finally, you know, we played phone tag back and forth, and then we had to change the date. And then, you know, I reached out to confirm a date. And he goes, are you sure that's the right date? And, and you know, I said, I think so. What, you know, check your notes. And then we 
reconvene. We found another date. So we're on the phone and we're talking for a couple minutes and each one of us is waiting for the podcast to kick off. And I thought he was going to be interviewing me and he was waiting for me to start the interview. And then I just said, you know, there's something just doesn't feel right here. And he goes, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable too. He says, am I interviewing you? Are you interviewing me? I said, you know, I thought you were interviewing me. And he goes, no, no, I thought you were interviewing me. It was, it's the first time that's actually happened, but we got a good laugh out of it. You know, I think we got a good laugh out of it. I, we did. I thought it was hilarious. I think I it started thinking, I said, How I, goofy really, is I'm that? This, he's, he thinks I'm going to interview him. I don't, this stuff right. Yeah, and I'm waiting for him to start with the questions and said, you know, anything you want to see, and I'm waiting for him to start, you know, and either one of us has equipment in front of us. We were just, I think we're on Zoom or something, or Skype, I can't remember. Anyway, but that was funny, and I, you know, I've, uh, I've enjoyed our relationship ever since we first met there. So I want to dare you to follow up with me, because I, I think we could do some fun things together, and I know you, good. I you, just, uh, you were just on Michael's show the other day, and I was. Uh, so, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're making the circuit, and I'm working really hard right now to put my podcast together. And I think you're number 19 or 20. Which really? Is, well, great. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. So you're, in, you're, you're still inside the top uh, 100, which is good. You know, you, good. that'll make it easy because you're one of the pioneers, whether you like it or not. So with, with that, you know, I want to turn it back to Michael. And then he turns it back to me. And then we'll get you to give us your quote. And then we'll uh, send you on your way. Michael, okay. Sounds good. How yeah, did you do today? I actually did great. I actually had the same episode with uh joe i had him booked earlier in the month and then forgot about it and wrote him a letter and gave him some days to choose from to go on my podcast and rescheduled him and then had no idea that i'd already had him booked so i came up to the first episode where i had him booked it was on my calendar and everything and there was joe and i was like wait a second i thought he was going to be on the 22nd and uh anyway so we, we finally got together and the the I think the show turned out great. It'll come out after this one comes out, but uh, look for that in a city like yours. Uh, another interview with Joe from Farah. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your story. It's I think it's important that so many people can relate to because uh, smoking addiction is something that you know is really prevalent. And what you we said talk about on my podcast was interesting when you asked Alexa. How many people were addicted to cigarettes? Do you remember what she said? She said about one billion, or it died. It was died, I think, from cigarettes. Oh, died. Yeah. Okay. It was yeah. died. It was passed away. Yeah. So it's crazy. Uh, so the topic is very urgent, I think, still. And um, and and thank you so much for bringing it up, Scott. Back to you. So, Michael, if you had trouble. <clears throat> with joe and i had trouble with joe i think it's safe to say that joe's, joe's the, the problem, problem. I, I say, I, there is I clearly there's clearly a pattern here joe by the way did you want to put a plug in for the opioid diaries i know you didn't mention i, I, I did I, the I, file. yeah so let's let's uh you, you know actually first thing is when you and i first started talking when we had that first um when we first started talking we thought we were interviewing or I, you thought uh i was interviewing you and you thought and, and you weren't you were doing a good me. job of that, by the way. And I felt bad that I wasn't a good interviewee, but I wasn't being interviewed. That well, was funny. What really, I, I liked you immediately, though, because you immediately said a cuss word. And I love passion. Mm. And, and, I, I'm, and, and, and so you and I haven't cussed at all today, which is great. But well, Michael, Michael won't let me. Michael said, okay, when, when you, when you know, he actually is impressed that I don't, but I, you know what I found out and I learned this a long time ago, <laughs> that when you've got something that you're actually recording 
you know, and, and well, you know, it's, it's like using special words. There's certain ones, you know what they are, uh, good or bad ones, but you know, they're, they're, uh, and they're both in my book. And I was, when my book was edited, they took out the G word and the F word of over 50% because they said, you're going to offend, there's going to be people out there you offend. So what I've learned in, in, in this medium is not to give somebody ammunition that can come after me for my attitude, for being a jerk, for being overly this, whatever that, not like how I talk, you know. Uh, old white Jewish, whatever you want to do, but it's, I'm not going to give them that ammunition. So I think, you know, and there, there's going to be a day when, and maybe when we have sponsors, right, Michael, and we have these ironclad contracts that said, you can say whatever you want to say, that's what the day will do it. But in the meantime, I just, uh, no, it wasn't easy. As a matter of fact, my whole right leg hurts from right now. As soon as I hang up, I'm going to have to go start screaming. <laughs> well, I, I, I like to me, certain words are passion yeah. words. Oh yeah. And I love I love passion, you know. I love passion. And, I'll uh, bring it back at our next conversation. I promise. Yeah, good. Okay, so I like. I just. I love that. So I thought, wow, he's a passionate guy. I love that. And I try to get my mother, who's seventy-four, to use passion words. I said, you know, if you want people to really listen to you, start using the F word at seventy-four. Yeah. I think it's. Uh, believe yeah. me, you'll get people's attention. But at that um, age, with her contemporaries, she just has to say it louder to make sure everybody hears it. Trust me, because I'm closer <laughs> to her age than I think I am yours. <laughs> So tell us real quick about Opioid Diaries. Oh, sorry. That's yeah, okay. Yes. It's your I, movie, uh, right? <laughs> I, it's, I, I worked on a film called The Opioid Diaries, which is why we got connected. And it's, right. you know, it's, it's a film, I think, that, that younger kids should see. I would say maybe seniors in high school, anybody out there. It just gives you an idea, understanding about um, the, that how powerful the opioid addiction is. Um, and, and I'm proud to be a part of something that I think can help people. It goes in, it's a, it's a film, but it's kind of in almost a documentary form as well. And it gives you a great understanding of how it can happen from just simply getting hurt and taking pain pills and how that can lead on to an addiction that can just transform your life. And, and so for me, I do feel an overwhelming urge inside that if I have the ability to help somebody, I really want to. And to be a vehicle for that, and that's that's kind of like a feel inside to do that. And this this film, The Opioid Diaries, um, could I think could help a lot of people um, understand addiction. Where can people see it? It is on Amazon Prime. It's, it's free on Amazon. Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, it's called The Opioid uh, The Opiate Diaries. Got it. And, Very cool. And watch it. Yes. So give us your quote and or affirmation, and then I'm going to wrap us up. This is a great quote because I didn't always follow it. And then I learned it uh, about three, four years ago. And it's from one of the coolest people on the planet ever, Albert Einstein. Oh. And Albert Einstein says, if you want, I, and I, I know it, but I want to do it verbatim. So I'm going to look at it. <clears throat> Albert Einstein says, if you want to, quotation, <coughs> if you want to live a happy life, tie it to a goal, not to people or things. Say, so, it again, say it again slower. I will say That's it again slower. If you want to live a happy life, tie it to a goal, not to people or things. Albert awesome. Einstein. Joe Fenera, thanks so much for being here today. This is Scott H. Silverman with Happy Hour, 619-993-2738. And I must make amends today. Whenever you're talking live, do not put a lifesaver in your mouth to help with the dryness because it causes you to cough. And that happened today, and I apologize for some of that coughing. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you all soon.